Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Thank you for joining me today for the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. My name is Mark Meyer, and we're going to be looking at Episode 2 today, Creation, as we put the Bible together on this simple journey to understand the Bible. I received an email uh, recently, and it was from a lady who had been in church most of her life. She mentioned a certain denomination, but then she said these words as she talked about uh, the Bible. She said, you know, the Bible to me is a scary book. Well, I can understand to some extent why it is a scary book. There are a lot of things that happen in the Bible that are rather frightening. We look at the book of Revelation. We some of the, see some of the atrocities of the wars that took place that are documented in the Bible. Indeed, that can be a scary book. Even sometimes some of the Old Testament laws and some of the penalties might be scary to some people. But I think there's a secondary reason for the Bible being a scary book to some folks. And that secondary reason is simply that we don't understand the purpose or how it all flows or fit together. And indeed, that is the purpose for this whole podcast. I'm not here to convince, defend, or debate with anyone concerning the Bible, but my heart is that you understand and we can connect some of the dots and discover some things about God's Word. In podcast number one, episode number one, we talked about foundations, and I explained how the Bible was different than any other book, any other religious book of antiquity, because most of the other religious books were written by one individual for one purpose and kind of at one time. The Bible, on the other hand, uh, which has been uh, defamed and many people have sought to destroy the Bible over the years, and yet it still survives. It's very unique. And I believe it's God that has kept it in our hands to this very moment. But also the Bible's testimony about itself, that it is God-breathed, that every jot and tittle, uh, uh, I dotted and T crossed, will be accomplished, as Jesus said in Matthew. It's also very unique in the way it came to us. Instead of one person, it's over 40 different authors that have combined to write and give us, as God inspired them, the, the 66 books of the Bible. It was written on three different continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa, over a period of 1,600 years. Lots of time and lots of things have taken place during those 1,600 years. And yet the Bible holds together. There's an inner witness. There's a consistency. There's a, a common sense or a common thread that flows through the Bible. And that's really what we're looking at today. God used some very unique people. He used Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. Moses was raised in the courts of Pharaoh, a brilliant general and a man who went to the Harvard of his day. Then you have David, who was a shepherd boy who played guitar and wandered around in the wilderness, literally, until God called him. There's Luke, who was a doctor, Paul, who was a theologian, John, who was a fisherman. So of all of these different individuals, the 40-plus people, God puts them all together, speaks to them, and we have what we call today the Bible. The amazing thing, the miraculous thing, if you will, is that it is consistent, and it does make sense. And that's really what we're looking at today. 
If you happen to have a Bible near you before we start and jump into episode number two on creation, I'd ask you to do something. If you don't, you can just imagine this, but today we're going to be covering Genesis 1 and 2. But I'd ask you, if you would, if you have a Bible near you, to take Genesis 1 through 6. In my Bible, that's four pages. Those six chapters, Genesis 1, the creation of the world, to Genesis 6, which begins the flood of Noah, take those, those six chapters, and those six chapters, about three different pages, three pages uh, width in your Bible, are covering 1,600 years of time. Contrast that with the New Testament, where you have Matthew through Revelation, and if you have your Bible with you, grab that and, and see how thick that is, and figure out or understand that those, those 27 books of the New Testament are covering uh, a little over 90 years. So the Bible is unique, and the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is, uh, <clears throat> it covers such a vast span of time. Therefore, it can become scary. Therefore, we do get lost in it. But we need to understand that concept that the Bible is covering, especially the Old Testament, a large portion of time. Today, we're going to be looking at episode two, creation. Before we get to some of the specific verses or some of the specific issues in creation, let me pour just a little concrete. If you've ever built a house or, or something that required concrete, concrete's not pretty. It's not fun to work with. It's, uh, there's nothing to, to, oh, look at my concrete, how wonderful this is. And yet, <clears throat> concrete is the solidity upon which we build everything else. My doors and my windows, my roof, were all built upon a solid base of concrete. In the Bible, we need to have some concrete in our own minds and hearts, some things that we believe, a jumping off point, if you will. So today, I want to lay just a little bit of concrete for you, and you can agree or disagree with this, but certainly I'm going to give you my ideas on it because it helps to lay the foundation for the rest of what we're going to be looking at in uh, the episodes of this podcast. <clears throat> that has to do with the, the understanding of time. The Bible gives us days. In fact, the word yom is used to over 2,200 times in the uh, scripture. Uh, the word means day, but it could also mean a division of time. For us to understand, and I think this is one of the things that uh, distracts us or confuses us sometimes, is the issue of time. So we're going to be looking at the Bible, we're going to be looking at Genesis, and indeed time is the big issue there. What did God do and how did he do it? Some say it was a 24-hour day. I hold to that philosophy. I believe that a day is a day and a year is a year in the Bible. Part of the reason I believe that is because of all the genealogies and all the other foundational truths that are laid upon that. Secondly, though, there are, there are people who believe that instead of a 24-hour day, it was indeed a division of time, and the word yom meant a division of time or even an age. I can understand that. I, I really don't think that works for a philosophy and understanding of the Bible, but certainly there are pe very smart people who believe that. But for my purpose, uh, I'm going to ask you to think that a, a day was 24 hours, so as we read through the Genesis account, the two accounts of creation, actually Genesis 1, the creation account, and Genesis 2 with man in the middle uh, and the creation, the crowning creation, if you will. But those two chapters that we look at today are, I believe, 24-hour segments. 
Part of the reason I believe that is because of other verses. One of the things when you're reading the Bible and you come to something that you don't understand, you want to look at some of the other passages of Scripture which will serve back as a commentary or as an explanation for some of the questions that we might have. For example, Exodus 20, 11, which is part of the Ten Commandments, says this, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the Sabbath. Seems to indicate a literal six-day, 24-hour-a-day period. Mark chapter 10, 6, Jesus talking here. And he's not talking so much about the day, but he's talking about creation. And this is what Jesus said, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Now, in the next episode, we'll be talking about Adam and humanity. But understand this, that Jesus seems to indicate, at least to my mind, that God has, there was a creation, and at the end of that creation, day six, God made the male and female. We also have Exodus 17, 31, 17, and 33, 16. I know you probably won't be looking these up, but I'm just giving you the reference points, where it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth. So we have the issue of time. And it's a frightening thing, and, and it is confusing sometimes, but I think we can understand it. And even as Christians, if you're a believer today, you do not have to hang your head or just sort of jump over the first 11 chapters of Genesis as though somehow they were a myth or an anomaly. They're not. They're very specific. They're very direct to us. Some of the things, though, that we don't understand, perhaps, are, let's take the issue of light years. The Alpha Centauri star system, 4.37 light years away. How did that happen, Mark? If a day was a day and a year was a year, and if the Old Testament literally covers a period of approximately 4,000 years, which is what I'm going to suggest to you, how in the world could there be light traveling 4.37 light years away? How can we understand this mysterious thing called time? Well, let me give you a couple of quotes here. One of them is from Carl Sagan, the famous astronomer. And he said this, The cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. Well, I can somewhat agree with Mr. Sagan, except I would take out the cosmos and I would simply say the God of the cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. Jesus himself claimed to be the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, we'll talk about faith here in just a moment as we look at uh, and try to understand the issue of time. We, we understand from Albert Einstein's theories, at least E equals MC squared and all of the other things that uh, we've heard about, one of the things, the cardinal truth of Einstein's theory is that time is not a constant, that it can change, that it actually does change, that it's influenced by gravity. So as we look at some of the miracles in the Bible, some of the things where time was adjusted, where it went backwards, or where it was held in abeyance, held uh, steady for a while, we look at some of those and critics will say, well, that's just foolishness. How can we believe that? Well, let me read to you one of the smartest men that has ever walked the face of the earth beyond Mr. Einstein, and that's Stephen Hawking, the physicist and cosmologist. And I quote as I share these words from Mr. Hawking. He says, Time travel used to be thought of as just science fiction. But Einstein's general theory of relativity allows for the possibility that we could warp space-time so much that you could go off in a rocket and return before you set out. 
Now think about that for a minute. That's coming from Stephen Hawking, not from Mark Miner, not from a theologian, uh, not from some religious individual, but from one of the preeminent scientists and cosmologists of the world. So we have this at least thought or concept that, the, that time is somewhat relative that it isn't as fixed as we like to think. So when we look at Genesis 1 and 2, we understand that the six days of creation could in fact be literal days, or in fact that time wasn't even measurable at that point in time. A couple of other things as we're talking about this issue, this, this subject of time, and that has to do with some of the things the Bible deal with. We're getting into it now in Genesis 1 and 2. We'll see it again in Job. We'll see it in Isaiah. A lot of places where the Bible references, remember, these are a bunch of, uh, a group of uneducated, quote unquote, individuals writing this book. And yet listen to what they say and how it aligns so correctly with the science of today. For example, the Bible talks about the fabric of space. That is exactly what cosmologists talk about today. <clears throat> the earth space is not just one circle, but it's more of a garment being rolled out. And you will read that and see that in secular science today. Here's Isaiah 34.4. The heavens will be rolled up like a scroll. Isaiah 40.22, an amazing verse, says this. He sits above the circle of the earth. Think about that for a moment. This was 700 B.C. Columbus left in 1492 to prove that the world wasn't flat. If he would have just read Isaiah 40:22, he could have proven that without taking off in his, in his ships. Regardless, the verse says, Isaiah 40:22, he sits above the earth, uh, above the circle of the earth. And then it continues on and says, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent. The Bible also mentions constellations. Pleiades, Orion's Belt, uh, Ursa Major and Minor, which is the big bear and her cubs. So the Bible's not afraid to talk about creation and science and time. So for our purposes here in understanding the Bible, the easiest, the most accurate way to understand it at this point for all of us in our simple journey to understand is to hold to, I believe, a six-day creation that Genesis 1 and 2, the account of creation, is exactly as said, and that as we start looking at the years and the genealogies that the Bible gives us from Adam all the way to Abraham or Noah, uh, as we start calculating the years, we can begin to put the Bible together. Now, a second issue, a big issue, and that's the issue of faith. Uh, the Hebrew, book of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 11.3, By faith, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So it is a faith issue. And the critics come at those who might believe or understand or trust the Bible and say, it's all about faith and that's all you have. Well, Everything is understood by faith. So if you would, for a moment in your mind, or, or just do it if you like, if you're really bored, draw a circle. <clears throat> and we're going to actually going to have two circles, and you decide which one that you abide in. In one circle, there is going to be, and we're going to write there, no God. In other words, atheism. There is no God. So if we have the understanding, the concept, the, by faith, because we can't prove it, we can't prove there is a God. We can't prove there is not a God. So it's a presumption. It is a presupposition, an idea that we have. 
a philosophy, if you will, by faith. So if we say there is no God, then you have to come up with a way to explain the universe. Scientists today have come up with a way to explain the first two chapters of Genesis. They call it the Big Bang. <clears throat> and the idea is that 13.8 billion years ago, there was an explosion. We'll touch on that more in just a moment. They also have to come up, if you're an atheist, you, in the circle that has no God, your system has no place for a God, a deity. You just believe that things, are like, like Carl Sagan, the cosmos is all that there is, was, or ever will be. If that's your belief system, then you have to come up with a, a, uh, an explanation for life. And of course, evolution and Charles Darwin's theory, is that explanation as well. Then you also have to come up with an understanding for geology and the planet Earth and how we got to the way we are now, and things like plate tectonics, and of course, over millions upon millions upon millions of years of time, these things happen as a continent split apart and all of those issues. So <clears throat> there's a circle with no God. You've, you've got a philosophy, and you've got your explanations. On the other hand, the Bible just simply gives us another faith system, a system that I believe is as valid, in fact, even more valid than the faith system of those who are atheists, because the Bible tells us that there is a universe and that God created the universe. He created it in six days. As we try to understand the whole concept of time, the Bible as it expresses in years from Adam all the way up to the genealogies of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus that found in the book of Luke goes all the way back to Adam. And so we can begin to get those years and when we start adding up those years, we recognize that the universe seems to be somewhere around 6,000 plus years old. We have an explanation for life. God said, God gave us life. He breathed into Adam the breath of life. So we have an explanation, just as the atheists do, as to where life came from. In fact, I think our explanation is more valid. How can life ever come from non-life? Second law of thermodynamics says matter can either be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. And yet, the Bible gives us the idea that God is the originator of life, and he breathes into us the breath of life. The atheists say that there was a time when life came out of non-life. Very difficult, I think, to defend or explain. But for them, for those that hold to that philosophy that are in that circle, well enough. That's what they believe. We also have a, an explanation for geology and uh, the flood uh, the, and all the things on planet Earth. And we're going to find that in Genesis 6 when we talk about the flood. The flood explains almost everything that we have from the carbon-14 dating to coal being found under uh, the Arctic and Antarctic and in very, very cold places. It is a fossil fuel, by the way, so it requires dead plants and animals, a lot of dead plants and animals. So how did all of the oil and the coal get in those very uh, amazing and frigid places if there was not at one time? A, an abundant life on planet Earth. So we'll, we'll talk about that more. The big point is we don't have to lower our heads and put our brains in a, in a box somewhere if we're looking at the Bible. The Bible has an explanation for things. And there are even similarities. 
In just the remaining moments here, let me read a couple of things to you from uh, National Geographic, and this comes from an article called A Glimpse of the Hidden Cosmos. It's January 2015, National Geographic. I'm reading verbatim from their text now, and then let me compare it to a couple of things as we close out. Uh, and here's what it says. Cosmologists can now state with some assurance that the universe was born 13,820,000,000 years ago. With some assurance, they say. That's my words, not theirs. It continues on. The universe was a bubble of small space, smaller than an atom. Dark matter, sculpting the glowing sheets and tendrils of galaxies, made up the large-scale structure of the universe. Nobody really knows what that dark matter is. But that dark matter was present in the universe in far greater density than visible matter. Galaxies would never have been formed. Still reading from National Geographic now. Galaxies would never have been formed had not the gravity generated by dark matter gathered primordial materials together when the universe was young. The universe blossomed in a... Uh, from a hot state smaller than an atom, within milliseconds, it inflated enormously, the Big Bang. And for the first time, I'm reading from National Geographic now, and for the first time, light was released. One of the first stars in the universe exploded, seeding the space with carbon, oxygen, and other materials. Okay, you didn't sign up to just listen to National Geographic, but look at the similarities when we read Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Do you see the similarities there? And the Spirit of God, it continues on in Genesis 1, uh, 2, was moving over the surface of the water. Something was crafting it. The evolutionist, National Geographic, says we don't know what it was. The Bible gives you a what it was. You may not accept it, but the Bible says it was the Spirit of God moving over the surface of the waters. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Interestingly, as we read some other passages of Scripture concerning the formation of the universe, the creation of, of what we know today from Genesis 1 and 2, we find this in Colossians 1.15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. It goes on and says, All things have been created by Him and for Him. And here's what I really like, verse 17, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, the world says uh, the gravi that gravity, the, the atheists would say, gravity formed the universe. The Bible tells us that Jesus was, sounds to me like, the gravity that held the world together. It also talks about the dark forces. In, in 1 John 1, as the scripture says, Through him all things were made, nothing was made that has been made. In him is life, that life is the light of man. And then verse 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness. So we have, and the darkness did not comprehend or overcome it. So we have very similar stories concerning the creation of the universe in Genesis 1 and 2, one of them, the circle with no God or the atheist view, must make or manufacture 13.82 billion years of time to allow for those processes. For the person who might believe that there is a God, then we can begin to understand that 
God put this thing together that the Bible makes as much sense that the theory of the Bible is actually in one, one state very similar to the theory uh, that scientists, quote unquote, are coming up with. It's just that instead of these billions upon billions upon billions of years, we have an agent acting upon matter. His name is God through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he's crafting the universe. So we, we have that picture for us today in Genesis 1-2. That's the concrete, that's the foundation that we have for our life and, and why we can believe Genesis 1-2. There's some mysteries in it and some, certainly some things we're not getting into today about mankind. We'll talk about that next week in episode uh, number three as we talk about Adam and humanity. But, but just for our, our closing point today, understand that the Genesis 1 and 2 is a very factual, authentic, scientific, and accurate uh, uh, document that tells us how the world was made. You can take it by faith or you can reject it by faith and look for another answer. But the fact is, uh, it, has, it presents, it makes sense. It makes sense in, in so many ways. And it is a foundation for what we're going to be looking at because it is the beginning. So some takeaways for today. Takeaway number one. Hey, we are here. Somehow we got here. Uh, you are here. You've got life. Uh, there is a, a universe. There is a planet. Something had to cause it. Genesis 1 and 2 provides that answer. Genesis 1 and 2 also provides the stage in our next podcast, episode number three, the actors will walk onto the stage. We'll look at Adam and Eve and the beginning of humanity. So I hope this has been an enjoyable and, and thought-provoking time for you. Thank you for listening in. As I said next week, episode three, Adam and Humanity. Hope you benefited from this journey on our 24-minute Bible. And uh, trust that you'll be tuning in next week. Thank you so very much for your time. God bless, and uh, just continue to let the Word lead you as you study and uh, seek the truth. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your lives.